Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at Tech Advisor. I'm Henry Burrell and I'm joined ably yet again by Lewis Painter and Aniron Copeman this frosty UK day. How are you both? Hello. Chilly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is quite cold It's been today, rainy, yeah. hasn't it? It's just rain all the time at As the moment. As a tradition, we were, we're British, so we will complain about the uh, weather. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a nice kind of... It's hotting up. It's Black Friday time. And we get, I'm going to just lead with the fact that, dear yeah. listener slash viewer, we might not be with you next week. We are Don Preston-less this week, um, but we will be catching up on some of the things he's been reporting about from overseas. Uh, but next week is Black Friday, uh, so we may not be able to record on Thursday. We'll sneak one in if we can. But if not, you'll hear it from us again in two weeks' time. Um, you guys like Black Friday? You a fan? Nope. <laughs> uh, no. <but> I mean, <laughs> it starts too it's, early it's not even the oh, fact that I hate the deals or anything like that. And it's just, you know, it's obviously it's a lot of work for us and stuff like that. That's all fine. I think the big problem I have of it is just... I never buy anything on Black Friday. Like nothing ever actually appeals to me. I don't know if it's because there's just too much choice now, and I'm just overwhelmed and just buy nothing. But I'm just like, eh. yeah, it's it's a thing. It's, I, I find that as well sometimes. But uh, we do work uh, uh, around Black Friday quite a lot to find deals and to make sure that the deals we are recommending are genuinely good. And so, to make up for the fact we're not here next week, we will be diving into some of those deals. It might we might not need those things, but you might be shopping about for things. So we're gonna we picked out a few of our favorite deals that are genuinely good savings. And we'll also have a few tips for you on how best to spend your money and when not to spend your money. Um, we're also going to be talking about the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, which is hot on the heels of MediaTek's Dimensity 9200 that we discussed last week. It's a chippy time of year. Um, we'll talk about them a lot and then never talk about them again and just talk about the phones. But uh, it is interesting. <laughs> there are gains to be had. Um, phones are ridiculous now. And in the middle of those two... Yeah. <laughs> Those two conversations, we're also going to be talking a little bit more on the back of what we talked about last week about foldables. There's been a quite a big splashy pixel fold leak. So we're going to get out our magnifying glasses and have a look at that one. Uh, first up, as usual, though, we're going to tear through the news. And it's been a pretty good news week, actually. I thought it was a bit slow. And then suddenly I found a ton of interesting stuff to talk about. So first <laughs> up, um, we talked about the uh, odd and let's say sporadic naming conventions of OnePlus in recent years. Um, now we've got another leak uh, this week for the OnePlus 11. And the reason that I bring up the naming stuff is that we had the OnePlus 10 Pro and then lots of rumors about a OnePlus 10. And then when it came out, it was called a OnePlus 10T. So we never actually, the OnePlus 10 doesn't exist. There's OnePlus, there's OnePlus no. 10R in India as well. But this leak is about the OnePlus 11, regular apparently. Now again, we could have a repeat of last year where it actually has something else stuck on the end. But it's quite an interesting uh, phone in that even though you've got all the things you'd expect, Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 apparently, 66, 16 oh, gigabytes of RAM, very cheeky indeed, <laughs> UFS 4.0 storage for all you uh, spec peepers out there. That's all. That's like gaming stuff, is, isn't it? From like last mm, year, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Hopefully with OnePlus, maybe the price will be a bit lower like it was with the 10T. Um, but the thing about uh, the leak this week is it says it's going to have a ceramic body. Yeah, we've seen that before in quite premium uh, phones and also on the back of things like you know Apple Watches and things like that. Um, it allows for wireless charging, but potentially not quite as smashable as glass. Um, keep an eye out for that one. There's also a rumor that there will be a Pro model. I don't know how you make it much more Pro than a ceramic uh, 16 gig. I was going to say, it sounds like... 
that is the pro model like what how much more can you do it's probably going to be something small like why like faster yeah. charging or something like that it's well, got Lewis Painter, that's why they pay the big bucks because the rumor is faster 100 watt charging <laughs> for the pro um i don't know how that works given that the uh the, the 10t had 160 watt charging it's all too much but that's the one plus rumor uh for this week you said for that first piece of news that the UFS 4.0 storage was a gaming phone-esque uh, observation, well, it's not quite that fast on an iPhone, but Ming-Chi Kuo has got a rumor uh, for next year's iPhone. Now, we, we've already reported that Apple has admitted they'll have to uh, go with the EU's decision to put, US, put USB-C on an iPhone. We're not sure if that will be on the iPhone 15 or the um, iPhone 16. Ming-Chi Kuo... He does have a pretty good track record, our boy. He says USB-C will come to the iPhone 15, but you'll only get the faster USB 3.2 transfer speeds on the Pro models. And you'll get USB 2.0 lightning speed on the regular models. This did not surprise you, did it, Lewis? Is this a big deal for iPhones? I mean, I don't think it's going to be a big deal for the general consumer because they just won't notice. It's not very often that people use their iPhones, especially in wired, you know, with a cable yeah. to transfer photos and videos and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm not really that surprised. They've, they've been working hard to differentiate the standard and the pro models for the last few years after they got a little bit too similar yeah. uh, back with the iPhone 12. Um so, yeah, I'm not surprised. As long as they work, you know, as long as they both offer fast charging and stuff like that, I think that's all that people are really going to care about. An interesting little tidbit. And, yeah, that is um, a good point that they'll have to differentiate these models somehow. But uh, iPhone 15 with USB-C, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. They'll have to move pretty quick, and that would be uh, pretty quick to comply. Uh, we'll just wait and see if it has no ports at all in a couple of years. Um, <laughs> now, a confusing and, uh, you know... A number of phones coming out all the time. Uh, third piece of news today is that Oppo Reno 9 is coming, and I cannot keep up with the Reno series. I swear we were just on no. Reno 2. I don't know where they all come from. <laughs> Often they launch in China first, and the rumor here uh, is probably a little bit more than a rumor because something appeared on Oppo's Weibo page before they snatched it down again, um, or at least an official-looking poster on Weibo did. It's 24th of November in China, so that's uh, right before Black Friday. I presume it won't be in the sales. But uh, what have we got? A 9 Pro and a 9 Pro Plus? I mean, there aren't even any real specs uh, rumors about this one. But I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> uh, there are so many Reno phones. And we get a couple over here, don't we? We've only just got the Reno 8 uh, in, in yeah. Europe. Um, I think hat I haven't, I haven't looked at a Reno phone for a few years, but they were really good in yeah. the early days when I did look yeah. at them. Re like, yeah, definitely, definitely. Which ones, did you remember which one you reviewed? I think it was the two or yeah. something like that. Or I can't remember if I reviewed it, but I definitely had a look at the model for a few days. And I was just like, yeah, do you know, this isn't, especially when, you know, at that time, because it was a mid-ranger, but it was kind of like quite premium for what it was. And it did stand out compared to the kind of the Moto Gs and all that kind of stuff. Of yeah, the I used to buy the Oppo um, Reno 2Z, and that was a really good phone, and it was really affordable as well. But we've skipped seven gens ahead now, so we'll see which ones we get uh, in Europe, <laughs> if we get any at all. And the reason I brought that up is because uh, Oppo's sister brand, Realme, has officially launched the Realme 10 Pro and 10 Pro Plus. 
So you've got a Reno 9 Pro and 9 Pro Plus that aren't out yet, but you do have a Realme 10 Pro and 10 Pro Plus. There, I got all my numbers correct. They both have 108 megapixel cameras. They both ship reportedly with Android 13, which is good to see on these mid-ranges. Uh, mm, and yeah. an LCD 120 hertz on the Realme 10 Pro, which gets you a Snapdragon 695, which I'd say was a little long in the tooth, but well, I'm not quite yeah. sure what the prices are here. But uh, to kind of um, contextualize the chat we're about to have about Snapdragon, the Pro Plus model has the Dimensity 1080. So again, this is a nice little example of a manufacturer using both Qualcomm uh, and MediaTek for its um, for its uh, words, chips, specifications. <laughs> it's been a long day. Uh, that's interesting. It's, it looks like every other uh, Android phone you'd expect with a couple of uh, big uh, camera modules on the back and this one goes for where's the price there it is uh 1899 uh chinese one which is only about 265 dollars so that is quite the bargain i'll stop talking about specs now before we talk about specs again in a minute and the last piece of news that i'm not <laughs> sure i realized this was new reportedly a new feature on netflix uh is that you can now go into your account and sign remotely out of specific devices I think before you could only go and look and see who was logged in where. I'm not sure you could... I think you had to kick everybody off, maybe. Now you can go in and you can, uh, in your account settings on, on the app, you can now go in and kick off your little brother or your ex from your Netflix account. And I guess then <laughs> change the password. But I thought that was worth mentioning because uh, Netflix is going all in at the moment with a, an ad-supported model and supposedly will somehow try and enforce no password sharing. Uh, so that's a little path uh, way for them into that. That's your news this week. I'm going to take a deep breath and get my spec hat on. Before we before we dive into the <laughs> Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, I want, I want, let's let's have a let's have, let's have an honest little block here. Do you guys care about this sort of announcement? Smartphone chips, obviously, it's big for the industry, uh, and and Qualcomm's a biggie. But yeah, before we dive into it, what do you think are the most important things about these announcements? Are they important at all? Why do you think we get so excited about them? Um, I think it's just because it gives us a preview of what's going to come next year, if anything. Um, I don't get too excited about the actual numbers a lot of the time and the cores and all the kind of nitty gritty of it all. But if there's anything like a new feature or something like that, then I'm like, okay, cool. That's going to be the big thing next year. But um, aside from that, I'm just like, I'll just wait for the phones because that's <laughs> really what it comes down to is, is not just the chipset, chip it's everything that comes with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's what I was going to say, that every manufacturer, you know, just that chipset alone won't guarantee, well, it'll guarantee a certain level of performance, but there's so many other different factors. Um, I'm usually interested, because I think performance is kind of plateauing a little bit. It's hard, there's not going to be any, there's not obviously any obvious huge gains. I think what both probably Qualcomm and MediaTek are doing in terms of power efficiency, then as a result, like battery life and friendly overheating and things like that, I think that's the area that's more yeah, definitely. of interest and to me. Anyway. Someone who doubles in many a gaming phone. When was the last? When was the last time? Do you remember? Do you, <laughs> yes. you guys specifically remember? I'm putting you on the spot a bit because I'm not sure that I do. The last time you tested an Android phone and you were like, "Okay, this is way better than last year." Uh, it was only probably in the benchmarks of the eight plus Gen One mm -hmm. yeah. versus an eight Gen think, One phone. Yeah. Um, so I probably did those initially, and then it was like. Once you see that there's maybe like a couple of hours difference how long it lasts in our test is like, oh, actually, this does last, say, 
two days or a day and a half yeah. versus a day on the I think I've got to agree, yeah. The 8 Plus Gen 1 battery efficiency was the first thing that I noticed as soon as I went onto an 8 Plus Gen 1 phone. Yeah. Like it was, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, but apart from that, in terms of performance, um, I think the Nokia X20 to the X30 jumped uh, quite a bit, but that's just because it just went up a lot of process. <laughs> you know, there's just the process is a lot better than it was last year, rather than being a direct improvement of the chipset itself. Yeah, we had a good deep dive into that uh, phone review from Lewis a couple of weeks ago. So go back and check out the X30 episode if you want more on that. I reckon for me, it was like Snapdragon 865 was when I was like, okay, this is really good. And I think what phone would that even have been? Oh, eight six five. Now you're going back a bit. Uh, no, no nine. Maybe one plus six T. I'm going to say that. If I'm wrong, uh, let me know in the comments. Um, let's talk about the Snapdragon eight Gen two. I'm not a fan of this naming convention, but I guess in some strange way it makes more sense than eight six five to eight eight eight, which is what that jump was. Um, <laughs> Uh, Dom Preston, our uh, erstwhile chip man, is on the ground in Hawaii. All right for Sam. Uh, he He's had no, a busy no. couple of weeks. He <laughs> has actually been tearing it up with the, um, with the coverage. If you go to techadvisor.com, we've got a huge deep dive into the five main things we learned about this chip, which I will use as the basis uh, of our conversation. But you said you guys didn't <laughs> care about the numbers, so I'm going to lead with the numbers. Um, yeah. The <laughs> Wait, what does Qualcomm say? <sighs> So like we were saying, it's been a while, um, for me at least, since I really thought, wow, okay, this is faster. Uh, Qualcomm says, this is a direct quote from Dom, the chip is up to 35% faster than last year's. Um, but as Dom also points out, the big question right now is whether it will worsen the issues with overheating and bad battery life that plagued 8 Gen 1 phones, which leads me to believe yeah. that the 35% faster is in comparison to 8 Gen 1 directly rather than 8 Gen Plus. But as you say... The Plus model uh, dealt a lot better with uh, efficiency. It says here that Qualcomm doesn't think that will be a problem. Uh, and despite the rearrangement of how they've uh, put together this chip, the Gen 2 has 40% better power efficiency than the 8 Gen 1. Um, I don't have to hand the numbers that they claim for the 8 Plus Gen 1, but I suppose that can only uh, be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, this chip is based on the ARM V9 architecture, the same uh, for its cores, that is, as the MediaTek Dimensity 9200. So the kind of, you know, little drag race between the two there. <laughs> uh, it supports Wi-Fi 7, which will not be a standard until 2024, but at least it future-proofs uh, those phones. It's also, as we uh, mentioned last week when we discussed uh, the Dimensity 9200, built on uh, Taiwan Semiconductor's 4 nanometer process uh so that is also shared amongst the two uh, same as the 8 plus gen 1 apparently and in terms of that node that they used and after that it's alphabet soup and i will not try and pretend that i know what they're talking about <laughs> i think before we get into maybe some of the stuff uh like you know ray tracing which you guys are experts in and also a bit of the post-processing stuff to do with uh imagery which is more up my street and i think lewis had the the skinny on that what was most surprising to me, well, maybe not surprising, but it's always nice and refreshing to me is that they, they did have a slide uh, at their, at their uh, conference, uh, Qualcomm, with just all of the brands that are going to have an 8 plus, uh, sorry, an 8 Gen 2 chip. And it is everybody. <laughs> so I think this is where they're really flexing uh, and yeah. above MediaTek, right? So, so uh, we'll come back to it. Samsung is not on the list, uh, but we do have a little rumor coming up uh, because, I mean, we pretty much know that that chip is going to be in the uh, S23. But we'll talk about that uh, shortly. But I've got the list here. 
Deep Breath, Red Magic, Honor, ZTE, Xiaomi, Meizu, Vivo, Sony, Redmi, Oppo, Nubia, Motorola, OnePlus, Sharp, Asus, ROG, and Aiku. That is a lot of phones <laughs> to have this yeah. chip. And so I guess like what you were saying, um, it depends how the phones perform. And the, once the manufacturers bought the chip, it's up to them to uh, make sure it's actually decent uh, within the product. Because we've seen, as you said, overheating in quite a lot of 8th Gen 1 phones. Um, sat, the rumor here, right, is that because Samsung, obviously, it uses uh, Qualcomm uh, chips in places like the US uh, but Exynos for the rest of the world normally. And yep. normally it doesn't really matter, but battery life does tend to be one of the things that suffers. Uh, Ice Universe, who, <laughs> I don't know, it, he, he's got a lot of things to say and then sometimes it's just his opinions, <laughs> but his, le yes. his leaks are generally fairly <laughs> good. Um, he said this week that the European version of the Galaxy S23 series will use the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, uh, which is for one of the first times it will have uh, that rather than the Exynos and apparently yeah. it's a high frequency version exclusive to Samsung Ooh, and he posted a single off. core Geek 5 benchmark of 1504 if that means anything to any viewers um, but yes I mean I, I was still in New Zealand uh, when the S22 series came out and we got the um, Snapdragon version over there but was the UK S22 still on Exynos uh, <laughs> yes, it was. So, I think yeah. it was, wasn't it? Because yeah. then we also had to get a or try to get we a got Snapdragon. The yeah. yeah, yeah, we okay. did afterwards. Yeah, and we could see exactly how they compared. I yeah, mean, no, that is definitely still a thing. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's interesting. If uh, yeah, Qualcomm's managed to pin Samsung down um, and, and tear it away from its own chips, but I mean. It's been a long time coming. Oh, in yeah, my opinion. Has, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, because. I don't even know where to begin. Where to begin talking about these chips. There's just so many, uh, so many things there, and so many um, manufacturers. Rather, I mean, we think it's going to be in the Oppo Find X6. It's probably going to crop up um, on a Vivo phone, though. The MediaTek rumor is that they will be uh, powering the um, Vivo X90 Pro Plus that we talked about uh, last week. Lewis, let me let me take it back. You were saying there was an interesting feature that I think would be cool to discuss briefly was about what the yeah. 8 Gen 2 can bring to image post-processing yeah so um i was doing a little bit of reading um and essentially what happens at the moment is when you take a photo on your phone you'll then open the preview of the image and then after a few seconds it will pop and it will then look like it you know it'll be the finished product uh, and that's because all the post-processing takes place after you take the picture post-processing um but what the um, 8 Gen 2 is going to enable is real-time post-processing. So it won't be post-processing so much. It's basically doing everything in real-time on the viewfinder of the camera. So what you're seeing in the viewfinder is exactly what the actual finished image will look like, um, which just you know make things a little bit easier to get the right look and stuff on your image. You're not going to take something that looks great in the viewfinder and then you open it up once it's been processed and you think the post-processor has mangled it all up or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a really cool little touch. Yeah, I think that's cool. What do you think? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was just saying, because I've, I've also had it the other way around, particularly on budget phones. Yes. Where you look in the viewfinder and think, God, is that going to be the image? And then they do their process yeah, yeah. and like, oh, it's actually all right. So just to actually know before you take it, this is what it's going to look yeah. like. I, think I, th really I, um, I guess it's something I don't really think, I hadn't really thought about properly uh, before, so I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, you take a, a picture on, on like a... I just remember being astounded by the Pixel 2, basically, when I took a picture, and then that <laughs> little tiny wheel was going... <laughs> and then it went ping, and then suddenly my, you know, questionably uh, 
framed image suddenly looks amazing and i was like well this is great and it gets much much quicker year over year but yeah you're yeah. right if you've if, if particularly in like sort of um you know dying light or low light if you if you exactly, got yeah. something going and you're like oh i've already caught this here yeah and then you press the shutter and as we've moaned about on this podcast before it then suddenly adds like <laughs> tons noise of light and, into the image yeah. or noise exactly <laughs> if it's if it's if it's worse so yeah that's actually that's very cool so there's gonna be have to lot a lot of um power under the hood for that to be working um i don't know how that if they'll be able to translate that for video as well i suppose not as many people uh shoot video all the time mm. um but yeah pretty cool if that can mm. if that can happen on these phones i wonder if it's by default or if it's mm. gonna have to get the manufacturer to work out how to do it oh interesting yeah i didn't think about that aspect yeah, because yeah, that's the thing as well. Because yeah, because it, yeah. it might be available from Qualcomm, but whether the manufacturer implements it is totally up to them, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? We kind of assume, oh yeah, they can just chuckle this stuff on, but actually, no, it enables it. But you got to work out how to how to make it work without the phone um, overheating, <laughs> probably. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> mm. And I'd, I'd be really interested if they can actually how powerful it can be. Like, would it work for portrait modes, like portrait style shots? Because that's one of the ones yeah. where it's really almost just like taking yeah. a shot blind, pretty much. So it'd be really nice to just get an idea. And a lot of these phones, like the cheaper phones particularly, are struggling a lot with ed mm. edge detection. So to actually get an idea if it's actually going to do a good job, particularly with a challenging subject. And then, oh, I know really we good. touched on it very um, fairly extensively last week, but maybe briefly you could also just speak to the fact that it's trying to go arm in... Um, no, that's not the phrase I wanted. Uh, it's, try it's trying to do the same as a Dimensity 9200 with its hardware-enabled ray tracing. Why is that important? In 10 seconds, please, Lewis. <laughs> uh, it just means that you're going to get better lighting on your games and stuff like that. And Qualcomm's actually working with developers to implement it into games. So we might actually see something this time rather than the failed launch, shall we say, this year. Is it, oh, is that because they said you can do it, but then like we're not going to show you how? Yeah, it's just kind of like, you can do it. And everyone's <laughs> like, well, why? It's not really, it's only available really on a Samsung phone. Like no one else really has the ray tracing. Mm. Uh, but now that more folk, more phones will have the ray tracing, there's more reason for developers to get on board. And it's actual hardware uh, ray tracing this time rather than kind of like a software imitation like it was this year. Okay, thank you. That is uh, much more succinct than I could have ever have put it. I also <laughs> uh, take it from Dom's piece here, which also talks a little bit about that and a little bit about the GPU aspect of the chip. It says gamers can expect 25% faster graphical performance across the board. Okay. Um, good. As I already said, yep, Wi Fi uh, 7 ready, um, just like the Dimensity 9200. Uh, and also, here you have some AI upgrades in the support for several standards that I have not heard of. Um, <laughs> and it leads me on to the other announcement that they had um, of another specific chip, which is slightly. Uh, different to that one which also announces the snapdragon ar2 gen 1 which is yeah. qualcomm's first chip designed specifically for augmented reality uh we've talked a lot about vr on the pod recently but ar is the space that uh, quite a few manufacturers are looking to go to and i guess this might i'm, I'm, I'm looking at my uh, tech crystal ball here but this might be the chip that ends up powering some of the competitors to apple's rumored ar glasses oh 100 yeah because apple's working away you know on on its on its own thing in house but you've got here a a picture that I'm looking at from Qualcomm's presentation and uh, basically you can put one of the four nanometer chips in the arm of a pair of glasses uh, for instance and then you've got a couple of cameras on the front uh, and, a, and a yeah processor in the arm basically also all with um full uh, LTE or 5G even 
do you how far away do you think this thing is obviously this is like more of like we have this uh if you have the hardware to yeah to do it with but i don't know necessarily we're going to see a consumer product next year um probably not next i mean not as advanced as that because qualcomm last year announced um a reference design for an for like first gen ar glasses and they're not these they're, these are next generation kind of slimmer looking more like real glasses the other ones are kind of still a bit thick on the frames had a camera on the side or whatever and it's kind of I think it's like a display on one side of the eye, kind of like the Google Glass was. Yeah. Um, and I think that is going to materialize in some form in the next year. Um, because going by my own experience with uh, Qualcomm and their their kind of, you know, their ideas and their, you know, their, their white label hardware before it gets sold, uh, I was uh, I saw the what was essentially the Quest uh, about a year or two before it was announced Um because That's it right. was Qualcomm reference hardware. And it was the first time I saw like proper six degrees of freedom movement without tracking systems. And I was like, this is a game changer. And it was about two years from that point that we saw the Quest. So I'm seeing, I'm thinking, I mean, for me, I think next year we'll see the, the first generation AR glasses uh, from a lot of companies, especially Oppo. I think Oppo's going big on AR. Um, but then it'll be the year after that that we'll then start seeing these slimmed down kind of more normal looking glasses. And I think that does put that around the same time as the Apple AR glasses because they're rumored for around 2025, 2026. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, kind of, it kind of works out around the same time. Good bit of contextualization there. Thank you. I mean, like, because to me, we need to wait until they end up looking something a bit like, uh, you know, snap glasses. Yeah. Because at the moment, <laughs> it looks like if someone is actually wearing a pair of these reference designs, it looks like those things you wear at the opticians where they put the different, different lenses in and you're like, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, does this appeal to you and Iron? Would you would you be keen to slap a pair of glasses on your face so you can uh, read the text without, without your hands? Not <laughs> particularly. I think, I think there, are, there could be some use cases I could see. And as you say, if they start looking at least resembling normal glasses in some way that you can just pop them mm. on and off as and when you want them. Um, it's, you know, it's a nice solution where it feels like it's not too invasive. It still feels like if you don't want to use them, you can, but then the option's there. Um, I think competition will be good. And obviously when Apple eventually gets into it, that will be the point at which we think it's established yeah. to a certain degree because Apple will want to make sure the technology's yeah. been around for a few years. Um, so it's an exciting year. I think they'll, they'll have to work on the mainstream consumer to convince them that there's an actual obvious benefit for them but yeah it's exciting yeah. Development, i think so i mean to be honest i think ar is the big next big thing like i think that's where everything's going i think you know within 20 years or something we won't even have phones we'll just have smart glasses that can take our calls and do everything that we need and you know we're, that's where we're heading and, and apple i mean i keep banging on apple because that's because i just know about apple's plans for this kind of thing but yeah. like, they've been investing big in ar for so long at this point, you know, they're all these hires and, and patents and, you know, they're working their AR kit into all their apps and stuff like that. It's just setting the groundwork. So people know what AR is. Yeah. And then when these come along, it's not such an alien concept. And on Apple's on specifically, they already have so many apps that work in AR that they can just port to these glasses. So you'll have a, a lot of content from day one. But for me, I think it all, it all it's, going to be cool for things like getting directions you know it doesn't really have to be a, a replacement phone but it can be like a companion just like your, your smart watches just so that when you're getting directions you don't have to look mm -hmm. at your phone you can just see an arrow planted on the floor in front of you and mm -hmm. they'll tell you where you need to be and i think things like that uh where people are going to get really interested but as with all this new tech it just depends on the price yeah 
So you sort of saying there, yeah, that's just to round off this section uh, before I just mention one more thing. The uh, the fact you've got like lidar and everything in the iPhone Pros and also in the the iPad Pros. The, you know, I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of demos of stuff like you know things that are you know to see like just the IKEA app or whatever, so you can see the Topher in your living room or you can, yeah. Um, is that the sort of thing that you think yes, they'll just yeah. like port across as like a quick like this is what it this is what it can do? Yeah, exactly. And there's um, some early AR games on the App Store as well, so you can like map your room, and then you can put like a, a virtual window on your room, and then zombies will come through, it and you have to shoot the zombies, <laughs> like kind of like you know defense ah. games and things like that. So there yeah. is some yeah. early stuff in there, and and uh, I mean for the lidar stuff specifically, they do have other uses as well because they've got things like poly uh, polycam, I think it's called, where you can three D scan objects and stuff like that and bring them into apps like blender right, or whatever right. so it's just yeah just really cool tech <laughs> interesting thank you thank you i just for the final thing i just wanted to mention uh from qualcomm before we move on was i don't believe this is a new chip but we uh some journalists out there saw the first product that has been put into which is the um snapdragon w5 chip which is the new chip for wearables um, it's notoriously slow in the Wear OS industry, <laughs> uh, Qualcomm, or at least their manufacturers of adopting any kind of newer um, chipsets. Yeah. W5 will be in the Oppo Watch 3 Pro, which I thought simultaneously managed to look, I don't know if you've seen this, it's got a curved domed display on it, which kind of looks both kind of cool and also a bit like, I think, like the first ever Galaxy Gear. <laughs> so I kind of looked at it. I was like, "Is that new, or is that like a reference design?" I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's yeah, my I can't vibe. I've seen it. Oppo Watch Three Pro. If you want to do a live Google, I think a few journalists got their hands on it. Um, but yeah, that is the first uh, watch with the new chip in it. So we hopefully, that you know, in, in line with our hopes and dreams for the chips and the phones, that it should hopefully improve smartwatch battery life because. My uh, favorite smartwatches, to be honest, are still the ones that perhaps have slightly less function that last a few more days. Uh, and at the moment, with the with the top-end ones, you're just not going to get that. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, thanks a lot for your expertise on those things, guys. And as ever, go and check out techadvisor.com for the full <coughs> lowdown on the Snapdragon H Gen 2. Uh, right, we talked a lot about foldables last week and our hopes and dreams for the category. And we won't necessarily wax lyrical again about all of that but we we uh, had a look at the news this week and thought it was worth bringing up a leak of a quite long rumored foldable which is the google pixel fold uh so we've already got you know foldables from oppo samsung vivo and the rest uh not apple obviously um but the the pixel fold has always been this thing where we you sort of get leaks and it's got like a code name and people say that it's coming and then yes. they're like oh android 12l has come out for devices like the surface duo 2 and then you're like oh that's like google putting it, it, all these mm. sort of, um ducks in a row for its own foldable but i've personally been very skeptical of all of the leaks uh, so far <laughs> about about the pixel fold and maybe we'll get into why i'm slightly skeptical about this one as well but if you go to uh well the, the leak this week is from frontpagetech.com which is the website uh run and owned by john prosser who does a lot of leaks on his youtube channel but fpt is also um the place to go for quite a few leaks as well the leaks show a phone in black sort of and white Maybe you should call it Obsidian because that's the same color as the Pixel 7. And this looks a lot like the Pixel 7 Pro. Yes. The, the back, that, yeah, that, that camera bar on the back has got the kind of pill and the, and the, the, the dot mm. um, design. And it's quite a thin phone with curved uh, edges. 
Um, and then the, the what you'd expect with like the screen on the front with a centered selfie camera when it's closed and then open it up and you've got an expansive uh, display in the middle. I think this actually most reminds me of the Oppo Find N. Yeah, in terms I think of, you're right. In terms of the dimensions of what it kind of looks like. But this is like the biggest leak that we've seen so far. But how much faith should we put in this particular leak and also just in leaks like this in general where, you know, somebody maybe internally they've claimed has leaked the, the you know, the CAD specifications and then these aren't actual Google images. Someone's gone away and done yeah. it. For a phone mm. that we think isn't coming out until yeah. May, what do you think about this leak? I mean, I think it's a bit early for renders because, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, May's not that long away in the grand scheme of things, but I feel like there'll still be time for small tweaks and changes and stuff like that between now and then. Um, and that's if it does actually appear next year. Who knows how long there, <laughs> if it gets delayed again. But, I mean, yeah, there's that. And then there's just, you, I don't know. <laughs> when it comes to renders, I'm just, I'm always sceptical, but I think it's more because of the old days of renders. You know, we used to get these really outlandish concepts of like what the iPhone 10 would look like and it would fold in half and there'd be projecting infrared keyboards on the <laughs> table and all that dumb stuff. So I'm just like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is fake. This is fake. Mm. Even though it very well might be based on real world specs and, and leaks and all that kind of stuff. But I'm still in my mind, I'm like, nah, I don't trust it. That's the thing, isn't it? We see so many different leaks uh, and often quite uh, different looks for quite major phones. And yeah. you kind of put them all and say, you know, this is an alleged leak of this thing. And by the time the phone comes out, I'm not sure that many people actually go back and check who was right and who was wrong. No. And it's not necessarily the leaker's fault. I mean, in this, in this instance, we're sort of taking it on good faith that, that they think they have the correct information. And mm -hmm. as you say, plans change internally as well. So sometimes we've seen, I believe John Prosser in the past has reported stuff that was once what the company was going to do and yeah. then it has changed yeah yeah so with so that around release date yeah. stuff as mm. well he's he liked to bet his bottom dollar on a lot of release dates and a few of them did uh did not <laughs> i do kind of admire admire his bottle sometimes and as as you say oh, yeah. as you say lewis he, he he started off he tore onto the scene a couple of years ago and really nailed quite a lot of iphone rumors yeah his his original source i don't know who it was but he was or he or she was great because they were coming in <laughs> with everything. Yeah, and he was really accurate and the renders were kind of on point. And then it kind of got to a point where they weren't so accurate anymore. I think it's around time where he started getting the release dates wrong, whether he's getting incorrect info purposely fed to him from Apple so they could source out his source or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, because that I mean, for me, the turning point for John Prosser was when he announced Apple's AR glasses. Um, and he's come up with all the renders of the glasses, came up with all these details about how they work and stuff like that. And and uh, and for one, he said that they were going to be announced, I think it was in 2020 or 2021. Right. as like a one more thing. And obviously, we're at the end of 2022 and there's still no glasses and they're not scheduled for <laughs> until 2026. <laughs> so um, either he's got very good sources or that's just... Um, we not got true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we can uh, we can only speculate, much like yeah, I suppose course, yeah. these guys do. But that's a good point. I mean, uh, aside from the fact that we've got a phone here that looks quite a lot like all the other book-style foldables that we've seen so far, which wouldn't be too surprising, or we don't have any clue as to particularly what the software will be like. And I wondered if you guys had any thoughts about what Google might need to do or is currently doing with software to make this stand out? Do you think that it's got anything up its sleeve, whether that's in terms of how it implements Android or the kind of things that it offers developers in terms of that big <coughs> canvas? Or do you think we're just seeing another manufacturer at the end of the day doing the foldable thing? I think 
my gut tells me it's going to be the exact same as Samsung. They'll have a few slight improvements, um, but nothing revolutionary. But what I want is for them to work out some way to get the apps to just work in that weird boxy aspect ratio without <laughs> absolutely distorting them to a point where you can't use them. It does sound like an impossible task because all the apps are designed in different ways for different layouts and stuff like that. So I don't think that's actually going to be the case. But mm. if anyone can do it, it's the people that made Android. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I would I would agree that getting those apps optimized for that form factor is the priority because I think Android on tablets in general is still not great, but it's most of the other elements of the yeah. UI are usable. Like you can get around and particularly unless you want it to be a laptop replacement, it's actually fine to use that kind of tablet style. So I think particularly with Android 12, I don't think there's a huge amount um, like in terms of tweaking the notifications and multitasking and things like that. I don't think there's a huge amount Google would need to do to make it usable. It wouldn't necessarily feel mm. natural and completely optimized. But I think they should really put all their focus into getting those developers on side for whatever. I think the rumors were this was going to be something, or the rumors are suggesting like something like a 7.6 inch screen to like really focus down hard and be like, at when we launch, we're going to have, here's these like 20, 30 apps that you probably want to use and they're yeah. actually already ready to go. And they can use that in their demos and be like, look how great it is. And then once developers see that, I think more of them will get on board and that should help it be a better first-gen device because it feels like it might be a first-gen device that Google tries, doesn't sell particularly well, and then hopefully they will keep it going to the point at which but, it gets um, to the point where it's worth people buying. That's a good point. And that guaranteed. is kind of the pattern we've seen with Google's uh, you know, mobile hardware the best part of a decade right because <laughs> we got the first pixel in 2016 and then you know the, the the issues of the pixels are well documented and you can make a very strong argument as i think we have that despite enjoying those pixels the pixel 7 is the first pixel pretty much with no like big thing to moan about yeah. um, and the pixel watch is an expensive uh, watch that in my experience has terrible battery life um and isn't very powerful because it uses two-year-old uh chip to call back to the Qualcomm section there so yeah I think you're right if um I just don't see this being a like a, a big a big um step forward for foldables Google is in this odd position I think and it has been with its hardware um evidenced by the fact that it had to have this Nexus program where it invited other OEMs to to make the thing for them it's kind of terrified in a way of like annoying some of its biggest customers like Google doesn't really want to try and uh, challenge Samsung and uh, maybe it can't maybe it doesn't know how either and, and there's been a lot of um, mm. op-eds over the years saying that Pixel was a vanity project for Google because they don't sell but I just they could they've got so much money <laughs> they could really this push the it thing. if they it, wanted to I just don't think they so want much money to. and data on everyone mm. they could personalize an advert of every single person yeah. on this planet if they wanted to and get yeah. them to buy a Pixel with the amount of data <laughs> they've got but I generally think one of the things that holds them back from committing to doing that is the uphill they challenge they face in their own country of the iphone thing like yeah. even though android was the dominant mm. um, bestseller for the best part again of a decade it was in this quarter where apple uh, the iphone is now the most used os in the us above android so for to convince a <laughs> hundred million people to start using <laughs> pixel 
I don't know if they can or want to do that and why would they commit to doing that outside of their home country perhaps I don't know we're speculating now um, yeah but the other thing that front page tech says is that and I'm not sure where they got this from but they say this phone is going to be 1799 US dollars uh, that would be another way to prevent people from giving it a go <laughs> I believe that's now more that would be if accurate more expensive than the galaxy fold 4 i think by a hundred bucks or so or if not it's the same price i think it might be the same price yeah i think it's the same price. Price. by that yeah. point it's going to be cheaper like yeah yeah it's going to be nearly a year old at that point so we will bag it for a little bit cheaper than that yeah, exactly exactly we will we, we'll, in a moment segue into the uh the black friday section and maybe some deals that you might be able to get on foldables perhaps um not that I've seen that many actually to go at the moment. But yeah, it's an interesting one just that we thought we'd pick up there given we spoke about the foldables last week. It'd be interesting to know if any of you uh, are into the idea of a Pixel foldable. As we say, I think it'd be good for mm. for Google to, to do it. But it also comes a point where why are they doing it? Because <laughs> they've already worked so they closely. Something that's different. That's what they need to do. They can't just do the same as Samsung. That's and that's what they're going to mm. do. But that's what they shouldn't be doing. Well, yeah, because that yeah, that's what I see in terms of this price. If it is does end up being this price, is I feel that some people are always going to gravitate towards Samsung, but they need to really undercut it on price and to be like, we've got it four or five hundred quid cheaper. It's not as good necessarily, but it's good enough for you to have this first mm. experience of this type of foldable. Because I'm I, I'm not surprised that they're going for this style over the flip phone necessarily, and I don't think they would probably want it to replace. Mm-hmm. a regular pixel phone but it does just feel like they need to like like they've done with the pixel phones where it's not absolute top of the line flagship it's a little bit under that i feel like that's something they should probably do with this as well yeah, particularly that's a good on that point. and maybe we'll see if they I mean, if i had the money to buy a a folding phone in the next couple of years i generally think i would just pick the one where i could not see or feel the crease when i had it open <laughs> if one existed i don't have it on me right now but i have the motorola razor in at the moment the foldable one which i need to go and take some photos of <laughs> soon um and the crease is so much better on that phone than on the, oh, really? all of the samsung ones that i've seen you it's a lot less visible and it's not quite as um feelable with you. that's not a word <laughs> you can't feel it as much with your thumb um, and i was very impressed by the build quality actually so yeah maybe google can pull one out of the bag but we're speculating now so we'll move on but thanks for your thoughts on the pixel fold and we will see probably come may come google io if they will announce that finally so just to round off the end of the show Black Friday is nearly upon us. We record today. It's November the 17th. It's a Thursday, I think. This has been a long week. It is a Thursday. So a week <laughs> tomorrow as we record, it's Black Friday. And Black Friday, uh, brought over from America uh, as a tradition, uh, much like NFL and Halloween. Uh, and we're big into it in the UK now, so much so that we also had then Cyber Monday, um, which was traditionally, you know, when the internet, I think, was it born of the fact that the internet used to be a bit of a novelty and you go to the store on Black Friday, then you go online on Cyber Monday. I think that was it, yeah. Now oh, it's I think so, an yeah. entire month of deals, which is good for consumers. Um, <laughs> if you want to buy something that you've had your eye on, but it can be very overwhelming. Uh, and the, so the, the other problem that you have mm. is that every retailer will be trying to sell you something. And as you mentioned, Lewis, Google has a lot of info about all of us, so you're going to be served a lot of ads throughout this time. <laughs> It's going to be all over the TV, all over the internet. 
you shouldn't necessarily buy something on Black Friday just because there's a discount. That's the thing I want to lead with. And I'm sure yes, most of I'm you... I'm so glad yeah. you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure most people listening know that. But we thought uh, we would just provide a little bit of common sense. Um, you know, you know, if you're looking to buy something, you probably already know how much it costs. Uh, if it's an £1,000 phone and it's got £50 off, maybe that tips the scale for you. It's not necessarily the best deal ever. And much no. in the same way that a much cheaper thing... You know, if you've got a 50 quid um, activity tracker and it's on sale for 45 pounds, are you saving five pounds or are you wasting 45 pounds? That's kind of <laughs> a few of the yeah. things you have to think about. <laughs> Why haven't yeah. you bought it already if um, yeah. it was only five pounds you were waiting to save? Um, are there any other tips that you guys have around Black Friday or anything that you were thinking of in terms of uh, advice for this time of year? Um, I think if you're going to do a bit of early Black Friday shopping, there are a few retailers retailers in the UK that are doing like a Black Friday guarantee where they'll say this is the cheapest price it's going to be. Uh, If you can get something like that, then it'll give me a little bit more confidence that you're not going to actually get to next Friday and be like, damn, I could have got that for an extra little bit off. That's a good Um, point, yeah. And uh, I think, Mm. sorry, Anara, go on. I I think my other bit of advice would just to be, uh, especially when it comes to sites like Amazon is there's a lot of um, price comparison and like history checkers that you can find on Google. Uh, I think camel, camel, camel is a good one. It's the one. Um, and it, it basically just shows you how much it has cost on Amazon um, over like the last 12 months or whatever. So you can see whether it's actually gone up in price. Cause with a lot of these things, then, you know, we, we track deals all year round and I don't know about YouTube, but I'm in the run up to black Friday. I see the prices go back up um, and they're usually at their cheapest yep. in like the summer a lot of the time. So yeah, read into that what you will that's the thing there doesn't seem to be much of a, a blanket rule in the in our native uk about displaying the like the recommended retail price for M- yeah. the msrp if you're in the states because often like i've seen it even though argos is one of those retailers you're talking about there lewis which has you know guaranteed lowest price yeah uh, until the 30th of november i think it is which is great um but then there are some deals on there that just say great new price and they don't yeah. show what it used to be. So you're, it could be a great yeah, price, price. <laughs> but if it's only 10 quid less than it used to be, then, you know. I will say I've been doing a roundup of the best Argos deal specifically, and there are a lot like that, and they are just mm. the RRP a lot of the time, I've, especially really? with the TVs, yeah. I've been Googling the TVs, and a lot of them are just the RRP of the TV, and there's no real savings. So be very careful with stuff like mm, that. Yeah. What about you, and Aaron? Have you got any... Mm. Uh, yeah, so just like, as you say, for Argos and some other retailer, I mean, they're not all on there, but I often, or Price Fair, I think, is a UK-only thing. But that lets you compare across a variety of different retailers. So if the product's on there, you can at least get an idea of what the lowest price is. What was that service called, sorry? Um, price Spike. Yeah, price Spike. Really good. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, I was trying to look up for like a US equivalent, and I found one called Shop Savvy, which I think does a okay. similar thing. Where it compares a lot of different US retailers, or at least in the, like, the main tech retailers. Nice one. Um, so that's quite useful. Um, and then there's, I think, just to kind of be proactive and have a clear idea of what you're actually yeah. looking for. So be like, rather than just saying, oh, I'm, I'm looking for a new laptop, be like, really clear, I want this type of, like, either this brand or I want a certain feature on my laptop. And then if it happens to be discounted now, then great. But if not, almost be content to wait for it. Or at least to have an idea, be like, I don't know, I want a Windows 2-in-1 yeah. under a grand or something like that. And then if one comes up and you think, oh, this is actually cheaper than I've seen it for a long time, and you go on these price comparison sites, um, and then you can see that it's actually cheaper than it has been in a That's long good time. good advice. Um, at that point, yeah. But like almost that if you were 
considering buying it anyway at full price, this just happened to be a little perk rather than almost being mm. deals coming at you and being like, <laughs> oh, this looks good. I better go for it rather than actually, you know, putting in yeah. the thought. Of research say, actually, there's, that's a good point you make about um, being like, oh, quick, I must do this. Because I feel like there's a, these websites and mm. these retailers, they put a lot of pressure on you on Black Friday that once you find the deal that you must buy it now because it's going to run out, you know, on Amazon, you have timers and stuff like that. Yeah. I would say don't fall for it. Yeah. Just take a breath. There's still going to be stock in a minute. Amazon, Just take a look. That's a good, very good point. Amazon does those things called lightning deals, and they're often yeah. like the worst products. Yes. <laughs> or oh, yeah. Just like tat. And also those things where you go on, I think it happens a lot in the UK, <laughs> um, on curries and things like that, and you go and look at something and it's like, 34 people watched it or looked at this in the yes, last hour. It's exactly, like trying yeah. to like, it's not going to run. Wait, oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't let them pressure you, as you say. Yeah. Uh, just before we get onto our recommendations, mm, I, I was going to tell the story. And then as I was sitting, I was like, maybe I think I've told this story on the pod before, but I follow, I, I don't really ever buy things on Black Friday. And I, I followed all of your advice just then, Aniron, about doing the research, making sure that you definitely want the thing you're going to get. And in 2017, I really wanted a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> and I thought they were a bit too expensive. And then uh, uh, I saw that uh, Amazon was going to, and I had it was a Prime customer, they were going to do a really good discount on the one with the red controllers that came with Mario Odyssey. And I found out as well that it was going to go on sale at like Eastern time or something. So I had to get up in the middle of the night to buy it and everything. <laughs> I set this to my alarm and I was, I was dead set on the fact that I wanted it. And I was so chuffed when I got one for a, a pretty good discount. And I haven't really actually ever played that Switch very much. No. Nope. <laughs> I played Breath of the Wild. And then, I, you know, I used it to play FIFA with some mates. And then really, honestly, I've not played it more than a handful of times in the last two or three years. So yeah. I thought I wanted something and I spent probably the best part of £300 on it. And I haven't got out of it what I thought. And I was caught up in Black Friday fever. On that note. What are your favourite deals? <laughs> we've got some. We, we've seen quite a few good ones. Um, so, if you're listening to a smartphone podcast, do either of you yes. have any smartphone deals? I've got one or two that I can lead with. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I know we we're talking about there hasn't been that many foldable deals. But one I wrote up today on the Z Fold Four was actually pretty impressive. So. This is another mm. one where it's kind of like a limited time because actually it's a US deal, but it ends like at the end of tomorrow, despite it being like right. a Black Friday <laughs> deal, where it's like all three models is $450 off. So it means the starting price is now $1,350, which is still a lot, but it feels like it's almost yeah. palatable. Rather is that than a uh, price with forgot, no trade-in which, needed as well? That's without trade-in. And then Samsung is pretty generous with the trade-ins. Um, so I think there's up to another thousand off depending on what you have to trade yeah that's something we've noticed samsung products. in particular i know this is more of a us uh, centric uh, deal in the first place the idea of trading in to get quite a lot of cash off your purchase but yes you're correct samsung mm. if you're a us listener you really could get a great deal on a foldable or like a, a galaxy s or galaxy a phone on black friday because those trading deals are pretty nuts yeah absolutely and obviously this that, that was only in the us so it's still at full price in the uk um but there are still some trading offers, not maybe not, not quite as generous, but it's, it's worth having a look. Um, actually, at Laptops Direct, they're selling the Z Fold Four, and there's like, like the the um, there's two hundred off the like the, the base model, but then you're looking at like five if you mm -hmm. want five hundred twelve gig of storage is five hundred twenty right. pounds off, so it's down to one three nine nine, which is obviously, which which I think is is I mean it's still you have to think about <laughs> yeah. it. It's not for everyone yet. Um, but 
at that point, a foldable becomes a realistic option. It's not that much more than, say, your, yeah. your regular flagship phone. I think it's particularly it's something to consider. terabyte, uh, and it's the newest model that only came out three months ago, then, then that's a yeah. good one, I think, yeah. I suppose at the other end of the scale, the one, one of the ones I found in the UK, which uh, we were all discussing today, is our favorite mid-range phone of 2022. It won our award, the Google Pixel 6a. is being sold officially from the Google Store in the UK, £100 off. Uh, so 399 is already a good deal for that phone, but for £299, yeah. I think that's a pretty stonking deal. That is tasty. Yeah. Mm, yeah, and that phone is, I mean, what, it came up. When was I reviewing that? August. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, and it's got a flagship processor for two hundred ninety nine pounds. Yeah, right? it's got it's got yeah, it's got the Pixel Six's <laughs> processor crazy. in there. Um, they're not um, actually advertising it as clearly uh, as the Pixel Six A because the Pixel Seven is now the new one. But you can also, if you go um, on the Google Store, you can also get the Pixel Six. Uh, also hundred uh, pounds off, sorry, while stocks last. So that's four nine nine instead of five nine nine. But I think that Pixel Six A for three hundred pounds is the best phone deal I've seen. Yeah. And just before I pass over, sorry to you, to you, Lewis. The other good one I've seen is from Curry's in the UK. It's the twenty twenty one Oppo flagship, the Find X three Pro. So RRP is still like a thousand and forty nine, uh, but it's got five hundred pounds off at Curry's. Wow. You can get the Find good. X3 Pro oh. for £449. Um, and that is a very good smartphone with some very good cameras and will keep you going for a good old few years still. So those are my two picks. Lewis, you mentioned you, Argos uh, UK retailer had some pretty good deals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my favourite pick from Argos that is actually a deal. It's not one of the, the fake deals. <laughs> it's a real genuine good deal. It's the Google <laughs> Nest Wi-Fi. Uh, and an extension point as well. So it's not just the, the brewery itself, it's an extra extension point so you get that Wi-Fi across your house. Usually £150 down to £63.99. That is good. Which for mesh Wi-Fi is pretty uh, damn good. Yeah. Um, and if you don't want the extension point, you just want a new Wi-Fi router with, that works with Google, it can't, it's, I think it's like £36 or something like that, which is just, mm. that's real good. <laughs> um, I mean, stepping away from Argos, there's a US deal on the uh, Meta Quest 2 that starts tomorrow. Um, we think it might be coming to the UK and a few other countries because traditionally uh, Meta's own deals tend to just go out wherever the, the Quest is available. But for now, it's only confirmed in the US. But it does sound pretty tasty because um, it's the first time we've seen a price drop since they hiked the price back up. <laughs> I was about earlier to this say, year. we need the context though. That oh, originally, yeah. the Quest 2 came out and it cost how much? It cost uh, two nine nine and three nine nine respectively for the two uh, storage options. Now it's three nine nine and four nine nine. Okay, and slash so dollars. What's... Same in both currencies. Right, right, right. So what's the deal <laughs> price? So the deal price brings the hundred twenty eight gig model down to three fifty. So it's fifty dollars off uh, the price itself. But it's not just the um, discount on the headset you got to look forward to. You've also got a copy of Beat Saber for free. That has that deal has been running since August, I think it is, and it's it's going to continue until January. It's basically any Oculus Quest 2 purchase from anywhere, you'll get a free code for Beat Saber. But they're also for this specific sale throwing in Resident Evil VR, mm. uh, which is pre uh, Resident Evil 4, sorry, uh, VR, should I say? So that's pretty damn good. Like I say, it's, it's US only. It starts tomorrow and it ends. Uh, they haven't said when, but I assume it's going to end next Friday. Uh, on Black Friday, so nice. we've got a week to see what's going on, and yeah, fingers crossed we can see the same thing in the UK. Um, there was also, I should say, there's a saving on the 256 gig model as well, seventy dollars 
Um, so that brings it to 429, which is only $30 more than the regular RRP of the 128 gig model. So if you want the extra storage, that's a, that's a fairly decent deal there. Yeah, given the price hike, if you're getting it for the only $50 more than it released for with two games, that does seem like a good deal, actually. Yeah, exactly. And the good games spot. are worth um, 30 and 40 quid respectively so that's mm -hmm. like 70 quid in games that you, you get in there for free but if you're a uk listener fingers crossed that comes to the uk as well um yeah we'll round it off shortly but uh do you guys have any other deals you wanted to highlight uh just yeah just a couple on yep. two in ones so obviously like the surface pro 9 is out now and i mean I, I haven't actually reviewed it just yet um but for most people they're better off going for like just the regular mm -hmm. intel model rather than the arm based one and if so, that's basically just a chipset refresh over the Pro 8 from last year. So that's a product that I can still really easily recommend to a lot of people. And there's like, if you go to like Best Buy and Amazon, you can get like quite a few off hundred the Pro 8. pounds of dollars off. Yeah. So if you off, yeah, so it's like 450 off um, like the 256 model of the Pro 8 in the US. And then there's 270, so it starts at 729 pounds in the UK at Amazon. So Considering you get, you obviously still have to pay for like the keyboard separately. Still, it feels like now you'll get it for because I obviously for most people will actually want to use need to buy the keyboard separately. So now you can buy it and still get it for less than the regular RRP, which is good. I did also want to quickly on the subject of two months like Huawei in the UK usually does some ridiculous oh, bundles yeah. and all sorts of deals like that. And on the the MateBook E from came out early this year, I think. It's kind of like a slightly more affordable version of the mm. of the Surface Pro. Um, like the there's a model with i5, 16 gigs of RAM, and two five six gigs of storage. That's four hundred off. So that's five nine nine, and it already includes the keyboard. And then Huawei's got two hundred pound free buds, three earbuds in there. It's got a free wireless charger, and then there's a whole host of yeah, other discounted accessories point. if you want to. It's always worth looking really out to see it. if anyone's got a so, bundle as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty. That's pretty great, I think. And if you want, um, yeah, because I think for most people that like these two ones aren't quite ready to replace your laptop. You want a device on the side for a little bit of productivity here and there. That's a nice really, really good, good option, I think. Um, for me, I've got a nice little cheap one to round off on. Um, it's available from Curry's in the UK, and it's on the Roku Express HD. Mm. Um, because I really like the Roku's, like they have pretty much every streaming service in the UK. Um, you know, whereas some of the others are kind of a bit limited in what they've got. There's there's usually a one or two emissions here and there, but Roku has everything basically, uh, and it's regularly, you know, usually it's cheap, it's thirty quid, but Curry's it's gone down to fourteen pounds. Well, uh, so. If you haven't got smart capabilities on your TV or anything like that, then £14 to get access to things like Netflix, iPlayer, YouTube, you know, 4OD, ITV Hub, every, all that kind of stuff. And then a bunch of other apps and content available uh, through Roku itself. That's a pretty damn good deal. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Roku as well. It just make, Like you say, it covers most of the apps that you might be subscribed to. And it's just so easy still just to plug that thing in <laughs> and just exactly, use, use yeah. a remote control. And for £14, if you don't want to um, splurge on something like an Apple TV, it is incredibly affordable. And uh, yeah, the, the other two that I've seen, uh, it is last gen, but the Fitbit Inspire 2, if you want to get a cheap but decent tracker uh, this Black Friday, that is permanently 49 pounds straight from fitbit it's not the newest wow. one 49 pounds for a, for a tracker that's got you know 10 days of battery life not too bad and you got the fitbit ecosystem as well 
And also a product that I thought I would just mention because I was very skeptical about them when they came out. But now it's probably one of the things I use and appreciate most in my home is mm -hmm. the, uh, well, when I got it, I think it was actually called the Google Home Hub, but now it's called the Google Nest Hub. So I've got quite a few Google deals up my sleeve. But at the moment, uh, and until the 30th of November, the Nest Hub is half price. It's 45 pounds instead of 90, which is pretty good. I use it yeah. in the kitchen. It's great. It's like a little picture nice. frame. Little picture frame. Do my timers. Unlike Siri, it can do more than one. So uh, yeah. What? <laughs> what a concept! It's pretty great. Uh, so thank you very much for those tips. I think uh, everything you said is very valid. So yeah, just go into Black Friday with an idea of what you want. If it's a big ticket item, make sure that the saving is enough that would justify it. Would you buy it if it wasn't on sale? Uh, and also some of these ones down at the cheaper end. It's just a good way of maybe trying something out if you don't want to pay full price for it. Uh, yeah. But keep it locked to techadvisor.com. We have all <laughs> our categories of deals that we uh, go through ourselves. This is not automated. There's not another person or you know system behind the scene. It's us picking the deals and picking what we think is best. Uh, so keep it locked to techadvisor.com so that you don't miss out on those. We will be tied to our computers until well into <laughs> the week after next, making sure that those uh, go yes. out. Uh, thank you both very much for your time. It's chip season, and I think we've uh, we've got through that pretty well. Uh, Ooh, we figuring, made it. Figuring out ARM architecture and ray tracing and everything else. <laughs> so thanks very much for helping me decode uh, all the mystery there. And I, I'm sure we all look forward to reviewing those phones in the coming months. Uh, yes. Thank you also for your Black Friday help. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, we may not be here next week. I'm predicting that we won't be just due to Black Friday chaos, but we'll we'll have a debrief in a couple of weeks' time. So thanks very much, Lewis. Thanks very much, Niren. Thank you, listener and viewer, for being here as ever. And we will catch you again in one, but probably two weeks. <laughs> See you later. Bye. See you.